Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Oh, welcome back to Herd Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Hope you are well wherever you and yours are. Thank you so much for joining us. I try to do what we always do, turn down the noise on the news cycle, talk about what's important, skip things that aren't, try to discern our times just a little bit better, both with politics and culture and everything else that might be going on in the headlines. But we got to start with some nonsense, unfortunately. We try not to talk about conspiracy theories too much. Now, there's whole websites and news organizations that just do chasing these things down. They change so often. There's so many of them. It's kind of a waste of time to go through them individually. But there's an overall theme one I think we need to touch on because we're just seeing it and it's reaching the apex of silliness if it wasn't such a serious business. Now, in the post-COVID world, we have these folks that are virulent anti-vaxxers. Now, let's just pause here for a second. There's a thing about being skeptical that is healthy. There's a thing about questioning things that is healthy. And then there's the latest theory where Damar Hamlin, which we covered here, if you missed our talk uh, with our good friend Brandon Phoenix on that episode and what happened with Damar Hamlin, please go back and watch it. But now you have the apex of stupidity where Damar Hamlin actually died and they brought in a body double because he died of a vaccination on the field because of heart. You've seen the idiotic hashtags of died suddenly. You've seen the Facebook posts, the Instagram posts of people shaking all this nonsense. Listen. Let's go through this real slowly on the slow path for those of you from Logan and elsewhere. If you are anti-vax, whatever that term means to you, just kind of listen to me for a second. Let me walk through this. There is such a thing as being healthily skeptical of things. Listen, when the COVID vaccines came out, I'm one of those. I have a very complicated medical history. I have some very serious health problems. That's why I do this instead of some other things that I used to do because I can sit in my home. And if I don't need to go take a nap or I need to go to the doctor, whatever, I can do so. I had very serious and very complicated medical situation. So when these vaccines came out, I talked to my doctors about it. I talked to multiple ones of my doctors about it. And the answer I got was, we don't know. They don't have any data for people like me with my specific needs and issues. They didn't know what the results would be. They didn't know what the side effects would be. All they could do was talk to me through the vaccine, go, here's what we think we know, here's what we do know, here's what we've tested, here's what we've not tested. And I appreciated their candor. 
So when it came time to decide whether or not I did the vaccine, that's the information I had because I didn't go online. I didn't listen to threads. I didn't watch YouTube videos. I talked to my doctors about it. And they all said, we're not sure. Here's the pros and cons. Make a decision for yourself. And I did. I ended up taking the vaccine. I've got the Pfizer one because that's what the VA was offering at the time. I got one booster. I'm probably not going to get any other further boosters for other reasons. Now, that's me. That's my decisions. That's what I made. You need to do the same, but I would encourage you to have the same process. Listen to your doctors, talk to your doctors, inform yourself, and go forward. You don't want to have the vaccine. Fine. Here's where this goes in the la-la land, though. Now we got people going to school board meetings demanding that we never have any mandatory vaccines for children at all. Folks, grow the hell up. We have polio almost completely eradicated. One of the great scientific achievements of mankind. Polio is making a comeback because people aren't getting their vaccines. Things like measles, things like smallpox. People are losing their minds over this stuff. There's a difference between being healthily skeptical and falling down the conspiratorial hole of everybody that dies suddenly, it was because of the vaccine, or that we have an NFL player having a body double and he really died because it fits my conspiracy theory. This is supremely unhealthy and it's nonsense and it's time for good folks to stop tolerating it. You are not entitled to people's timelines. You are not entitled to their Facebook page. You're not entitled to their, their Instagram posts. You're not entitled to my Twitter timeline. So if you're going to go off the deep end on conspiracy theories, not healthy skepticism, not here's the data. Are they rushing the data, especially something like the mRNA vaccines that were brand new? Yeah, there's honest questions to have because we've never really done them on mass scale before. If you want to talk about the mandates and things like that, we can discuss that, too. But the out and out conspiracy theories that we're putting nano chips in because Bill Gates is a lizard person, this kind of nonsense. It's time to start just calling the herd a little bit here. What you need to do is on your social media, it's time to start unfollowing people. It's time to start muting people. If folks want to talk about conspiratorial nonsense, just stop listening to them, stop platforming them, stop arguing with them, just cut them off. Oh, I know, free speech. No, you're not entitled to my timeline. That's not free speech. Free speech is the government not being able to dictate things. And there's a debate on some of this where that comes in too. But if we start clamping down on our social media a little bit and quit tolerating this nonsense that the lizard people are putting nano chips and vaccines, the real out and out crazy stuff that Damar Hamlin is a body double, that the World Health Organization and Fauci are out to get us. Listen, if you want to criticize Fauci, there's plenty of criticism to be had there. I've been critical of him, too. The World Health Organization, you can miss me with that one every time I criticize something about a vaccine and an anti-vaxxer nut job. What about Fauci and the W? Listen, we've covered the World Health Organization on this program the way it should be covered, about the funding, about the undue influence of China, about the how it's a giant bureaucracy who was completely revealed by COVID as being completely one-way traffic on PR instead of being the one thing it's supposed to be preparing for a worldwide epidemic. It, it failed completely. We were covering it from the very beginning. We've had experts on about it. What did you do? Are you just using it as a buzzword? World Health Organization is a boogeyman or you want to actually talk about the problems with the organization? Same thing with Fauci. He's a bureaucrat. Yes, he's a doctor. He's a bureaucrat. He acted like a bureaucrat. I think he embarrassed himself when he got on TV and made himself look bad, but that's neither here nor there. Fauci isn't controlling your life or dictating your life. You want to talk about the mandates? There's a debate to be had there. 
But this anti-vax nonsense that's getting people killed, these idiotic videos where people are clearly faking the shaking and all this nonsense, that's an insult to people who really do have long COVID problems. The very small minority who really do have reactions to these vaccines. It's time to quit tolerating it as a people. No, we don't have to ban people. No, I don't think we should mandate it. We should have some good old-fashioned shunning. You have a right to not take a vaccine if you not want to. And society has a right to say you keep your unvaccinated self over there where you can't make everybody else sick. Sorry, that's the harsh truth of it. And we should do the same on our social media. Not the honestly skeptical people. They have a role. We should have honest debates about things. But if you're going to do lizard people and nanoprobes and microchips and Bill Gates is out to get me, it's time for you to not have a voice in the public square. Sorry. You're not entitled to my timeline, and I'm not wasting my time on you. And the more and more people that start doing that with their social media, the less and less we'll deal with this. We can also go to the data, by the way. We've talked about this with our friend Michael Siegel. A lot of the anti-vax stuff comes from the same few, uh, about a dozen or so organizations and really high-profile people, and that's the vast majority of that. And then it just gets shared and retweeted and so on and so forth. It's not very organic. But a lot of the wackadoos are grabbing onto it and they're getting converts. And it's bad. It's bad for everybody's health. It's bad for our society. It's bad for our discourse. And it's bad for you individually. Do a little self-policing. The real wackadoo conspiracy folks, start cutting them out of your social media. They're not going to bring anything good to it. And you can say whatever you want, even if you agree with them on 80 or 90% of everything else they say. It's unhealthy. It's bad. There's nothing good going to come from it. Just stop listening to them. Mute them, unfollow them, don't follow their Facebook page, their Instagram, their Twitter. There's nothing good going to come out of it. Best thing you need to vaccinate your mind from is nonsense like that. And you can do it with a few clicks. Doesn't cost you anything. It'll gain you a whole lot more perspective. If that offends you, send us an email about it. More hurt tell right after this. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell. Okay, this is basically like Christmas for this guy. You've seen him frequently. He is our go-to. 
for movie stuff. He is a double board certified critic. He's one of those real deals. He's not just one of those internet guys anymore. Uh, Luis Mendez of the Mendez Movie Report. And of course, we're going to talk about the Oscar nominations, which is Christmas Day for him. How are you, sir? Have you recovered yet? Uh, well, what I'll say about the nominations right off the bat is that they were everything, everywhere, all at once. Very good branding. Yeah, the the sweep almost of just about everything you can get. Everything. Look, let's just start right there. This has got to be the favorite for best picture in all the major awards right now, does it not? I mean, they, they've got an actor in every award. Uh, obviously, the technical way they made this film was pretty creative. This has got to be the favorite, yeah? Yeah, which uh, as someone who's rooting for the movie personally <laughs> makes me nervous because favorites do not have the best record uh in the pre in the preferential ballot era that we've been in for the last decade it's got the most nominations i want to say 11 nominations uh it got into some places i really didn't think it was going to get into uh it got into i want to say i think costume design uh it got into i mean um score but the one that really surprised me was that it got into song I did not think that that song was going to be in play. So I was very surprised to see it get in there. And then Stephanie Sue, who was on the margins because everybody thought that was going to be just about Jamie Lee Curtis, who, by the way, first time Oscar nominee, which is crazy to me that it's her first time ever. First time ever for Jamie Lee Curtis. And as good as her performances, I thought Stephanie Sue was a lot better. So I'm very happy to to see that she got in. And this movie has gone from being the underdog where people were laughing at people like me who were saying that it could get in back in the spring to now it's got a target on its back because it is the movie to beat. It has hit literally everything a would-be Best Picture winner needs to hit. It's got the most nominations. Um, It makes me a little nervous. Uh, for its chances because of that, but it is undoubtedly our front runner as we head into the actual ceremonies. Yeah, Luis Mendez, our movie guy. Um, let's start with Best Picture because that's always the top line item here. This and the actor stuff. We're going to get into some of the technical ones though because I think there's some really interesting things, especially screenplay kind of surprised me a little bit. But Best Pictures, that's that's the big number, right? <laughs> You got all these right on your predictions except for one, and I'm kind of upset that it's the one because it blew up my favorite trope when we talked to you about how Hollywood loves to have movies about Hollywood. The one you missed on, Babylon, was not included in here. Can't be a total shock. I wouldn't call it a snub. There was some dis, you know, discredited opinion about this film, but it did kill one of my favorite tropes every year for the Oscars that Hollywood likes movies about Hollywood. Yeah, well, to be fair, you could almost make an argument that Fablements kind of fits that bill since it is about sort of Steven Spielberg's personal uh, filmmaking journey. Uh, But yeah, I I mean, it's not surprising to me. It was honestly kind of a swing for me to try to predict that it will get in because that movie was so divisive. And it, I mean, I had it at number 10 for a reason because it really was on the bubble. The movie that did get in, Women Talking, was also on the bubble, but ultimately it was able to get in, which I'm even though I personally like Babylon more than Women Talking, I am very happy that Women Talking still got in because it was my number 11 of the year. And it avoided what I think would have been an embarrassing stat for the Academy of no Best Picture uh, nominees directed by women. Uh, 
Now they still ended up having no women director nominees, but they were still able to avoid that stat and I'm happy for that film. But Babylon was definitely a movie that was on the edge. It, it, I'm not surprised it didn't get in. Yeah, Luis Mendez joining us. I always try to pick out, you know, the Oscars always get this reputation of, well, they'll take a movie that nobody's actually seen. I don't think any of these are too out of the world, but there's a couple that folks probably aren't as familiar with. The surprise here is probably Triangle of Sadness. That's a movie that was very divisive amongst critics. And then Tar, which was getting a lot of talk for Best Actress. We'll talk about that in a minute. Folks are probably surprised that it got a Best Picture, though. And Elvis got a Best Picture. Now, of course, Austin Butler is, you know, in there for Best Actor. But that's another one because Baz can be really diversive on people either loving or hating him. Those are probably the three surprises on that list. Well, I gotta tell you, I actually think two of those should not be considered surprises, uh, Elvis and Tar, because everything that I was seeing and hearing told me they were gonna get in. Uh, the screenings for Elvis have been nuts, like sold out Academy screens. People want to see this movie. I People love are, it. And I'm oh, not a Baz Lorman guy, but I thought it was, it, it, you couldn't go in, we talked about it when we covered the movie. You couldn't go in thinking biopic. You go in thinking superhero musical, and that's what you yeah. get. I thought it was a great movie, though, and I'm not the biggest Baz fan, but I thought it was really good. I mean, it's kind of divisive among cinephiles, but it was in my top 25. I, I, I've seen the movie twice now. I think if you're going to do a biopic, the typical cradle to grave biopic, do something new with it, and Baz definitely did something new with it. Uh, Tar is sort of like the female version of there will be blood where you're not following a good person uh you're you're basically kind of it's kind of a character study um and kate blanchett delivers a performance that is arguably the female version of daniel day lewis doing their uh in there will be blood so that was a huge critical darling it's one of my favorite movies of the year i i got spoiled this year a lot of my favorites got recognition this year Whereas last year, uh, not so much, but, um, and then Triangle Sadness is a surprise, even though it was constantly a bubble film. That was the Cannes Film Festival winner. I personally, am kind it, it's my least, it's my personal least favorite of the nominees, but that is a movie that was a big hit with a lot of people. It's, it's, it's a, it's a it's a satire. It's got that sort of eat the rich stuff that some people eat up. Um, and I'm not surprised that it got in, uh, but I'm not, well, I should say I'm surprised it got in, but I'm not shocked because it was always a bubble film. It was always right there. Yeah. Louis Mendez joining us. Let's talk directing. Is Spielberg doing a movie about himself becoming a director going to help or hurt him here? Do you think? Well, on paper, he should be the favorite. The problem is that these two dudes who made uh, a movie that has become one of the biggest surprises of the year have come along in the Daniels, who, by the way, are only the third duo in history to get a Best Director nomination. They joined, um, excuse me, the fourth duo. Uh, they joined the directors of the original West Side Story, uh, Warren Betty, and another director who, unfortunately, his name I can't remember for heaven, can't wait, and, of course, the Coens. Um, they've kind of come along and ended up becoming the big critic favorite. They've won everywhere except the Golden Globes. Spielberg won at the Globes. The problem is the Golden Globes has a very mixed record of matching with the Oscars. And there is a possibility that 
DGA will tell us if Spielberg can't win at DGA, he I don't think he's winning director at the Oscars because DGA is the director's guild. And if they don't vote for Spielberg, I don't see him uh winning at the Oscars. And he's already got a big hit that he didn't get a director nomination at BAFTA, which is a bad sign. Um, but uh, he is definitely the favorite, but in hindsight, we may look back and see that the Globes was just the Globes being the Globes, and that it, the, this entire time it was the Daniels. After all, after all, they did direct the movie that has the most nominations. Yeah, let me tell you my pick for director. And again, I'm the I'm the Philistine. You're the cinephile here. I've made no you know bones about my two favorite movies of this year. It was Top Gun Maverick, and it was Banshees. I think Martin McDonough would be my director pick here. Now, here's one of those insider things, and you can explain it. They've got four actors and actresses up for awards already. It would really be something for something that's seen as an actor-carried movie, but I thought this movie and the directing of this movie, the way the landscape is very much a character of this movie, the, the pub that's at the center of it, they actually built it on location because they wanted the location first. That was all built from scratch. I think he's going to get penalized because there's such good acting in this movie, but you don't get good acting without good directing. I, I think he really accomplished something with this film, even if he doesn't win, but that would be my pick. Well, he, he also suffers from the infamous thing that the director's branch is very, uh, they're very hesitant to award people who are writers or actors turned directors. And McDonough did start out as a writer. Um, I don't think he's got a shot at director, but I do think he is definitely in play for screenplay. But again, like Spielberg, the problem McDonough faces is that these two dudes have come out of nowhere into Daniels and made a movie that is so original that it could just end up costing him. And and, and the thing is that if, if everything everywhere wants does not exist, Banshees is the critic pick. Banshees is the movie that's sweeping everything. And Banshees is right there in it. Now, I love Banshees myself, but I, the thing that is holding me back from believing it can win on a preferential ballot is that it's got audience scores that remind me of The Power of the Dog, where I don't feel this way, but there I know a lot of people out there who feel that the movie is depressing and that, and that they walk away from it kind of feeling down. Now, it's a dark comedy, um, I don't personally feel depressed by the movie, but you can't ignore that when you're thinking about what does well on a preferential ballot. So even though the movie is right there with everything everywhere, and, and if you look at all the stats of what do you want to hit if you want to win Best Picture, it really does seem to be everything everywhere versus Banshees. Everything everywhere has that crowd-pleasing uh, thing on its, in its favor, but it might also be a little too weird for some of the older voters. But then you have Banshees, which maybe might be too depressing for some voters. So it's going to be interesting to see, which is why that sets up the potential for a dark horse that buses all the stats, uh, which could end up being Top Gun Maverick. And we'll, and we'll talk about screenplay because that was a big show for it there. But yeah, McDonough, McDonough I, I love his directing as well, but he's 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 got a big climb. Yeah, I think the two Daniels get the best director here and maybe Spielberg on the sentimentality. We'll see how that one shakes out.
Luis Mendez joining us. Okay, best actor. This is where the surprises start rolling in. Big day for Ireland here. I'd never heard of After Sun until this morning. I'm not even going to lie about it. I had to go Google this thing, and there it is. Paul Mescal. Who is this guy, and how did he get into Brendan Fraser's category here? Well, it's so After Sun is a small A24 movie. It's it's sort of this big darling among the super, super niche cinephiles. Uh, a lot of people have been saying that it's their favorite movie of the year. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people. Well, a lot of people in that niche group say it's their favorite movie of the year. Uh, personally, I actually, uh, I like the movie, but I did not love it. I actually think it's arguably the most overrated film of the year, uh, which would get me torches in certain places if I said that out loud. Uh, but Paul Mescal is a young uh, up-and-comer. Uh, he's I, um, Irish actor. Lots of praises for his performance in the movie, and it, this could end up being the breakout role for him where we start to see him show up in future uh, Oscars. But it is a very small movie. Don't feel bad about not hearing about it. I barely knew about it until the end of the year when they sent me a screener. Yeah, Lewis Mendes joining us. Uh, the, the real story in this category, though, is, is Brendan Fraser going wire to wire with this? I'm starting to have doubts because this movie didn't get into picture and that is a big red flag because traditionally actor tends to match with uh, best picture nominee. He's he's in it though. He's in it, but he's going up against Colin Farrell, who is the lead actor in a movie that is currently a top two contender to win best picture. And then there's a young guy by the name of Austin Butler that has had arguably the breakout role of the year playing Elvis and they love 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 people playing peep uh peep uh, you know historical figures and he has an incredible performance that reminds me a lot of sort of Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody and if this movie as sh- and this movie showed up elsewhere uh big time uh, I think that it could end up being Austin Butler but if, if Brendan Fraser is going to pull this off and become the first, I think it will be the first time since 2010 that it would be a non-Best Picture nominee winning Best Actor. He's really going to have to show up and get a big win at SAG. What helps Fraser at the moment and, and feels like he's kind of climbing is that he gave this incredible speech at the Critics' Choice Awards. And that could, speeches matter because it, it gets those narratives going and voters start getting behind you. So that helps him that he's got an incredible narrative. Uh, but it's going to be tough for him because there are two contenders right there with him who have Best Picture nominees. There, uh, Luis Mendez joining us. Um, here we go again for Best Actor Supporting Row. Banshees gets two in there, which was surprising. And then um, the other one, here's another surprise. One of the few misses you had on yours. We're going to link to your Ordinary Times. Everybody can see how you did. You really did well here, by the way, my friend. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway. Here you go again. I had to go Google it. I'd never even heard of this picture. And here he is in a supporting role, Best Actor nomination nod. Yeah, one of my favorite, you know, usually I I don't mind getting stuff wrong. But if I'm going to get stuff wrong, I'm... I wanted it to be something I'm happy for. And I am so happy for Brian Tyree Henry because he was in my personal five for the critics groups that I voted in. He's a part of Cosplay where he delivers a really great uh, 
performance as a as, as it's a very muted one which is why it's interesting that he got in because usually they like showy performances Cosway is available on apple tv plus it came out sort of towards the end of the season i think it's one of the more underrated films of the year it ended up coming pretty close to making my top 25. um it's an interesting character drama about a, a veteran uh, dealing with ptsd and having to overcome that and uh, brian tyree henry does one of the best performances of the year, if you ask me, so I'm very happy for him to get in. Uh, he Again, he was in my personal five. I'm not, I'm surprised, but not shocked he got in because I did have him as a bubble guy right there. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a big surprise because a lot of people thought it was going to be Eddie Redmayne for the good nurse, but it looks like he ended up just coming up short. Um, but for when it comes to supporting actor, the big story is Kihi Kwan from Everything Everywhere who literally has broken the record for critic sweeps of victories of any category ever. This dude cannot lose. He is winning supporting actor at some of the most snobbiest, highbrow critics organizations that you will know. This dude is just dominating, and I'm so happy for him because this guy is basically told that he can't, be involved in acting anymore because he's asian so he ends up just doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff 30 plus years later decides to get back into acting after he saw michelle yo in crazy rich asians comes back and the first movie that he does with michelle yo there is it's gonna probably lead to him actually winning a freaking oscar this is it's it's one of the most insane stories of the season so, I mean, he is easily probably the biggest lock out of all the acting uh, contenders. There's a great video online. I'll try to find it and link to it in the show notes. But uh, Brendan Fraser and him sitting at one of these roundtable pre-Oscar things. And they cracked the joke. It's like, well, we should have been nominated together for Encino Man all those years <laughs> ago. Of course, quite, he's short round from Indiana Jones for people my age. That's what he was known. And then he just disappeared. He got kind of labeled that child actor thing and the Asian thing and didn't act. It's such a cool story. I'm kind of hoping he wins. Uh, let's move on to the ladies. Uh, Luis Mendez joining us. We're talking Oscar nominations. Best actress. Here's you another one. You keep talking about this over and over again. You say it's a toss-up between the top two, Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yao. Usually when it's a toss-up between the top two, there's that potential for somebody else to sneak in and snag one. Is one of the favorites going to do it, or is that going to happen here? I think it's going to be one of the favorites because the issue is that, first of all, statistically, the biggest upset that we got uh, to this morning is Andrew Riceborough getting in for to Leslie, who literally last second had a grassroots campaign. This woman has not shown up anywhere. A lot of people forgot this movie even existed. I had and to Google it. There's and, another one. <laughs> and she literally got in last second through a word of mouth campaign. As I, I guarantee she was probably the fifth person who barely snuck in there. Now, there is going to be some controversy as to why two incredible black actress performances from Viola Davis and Daniel Deadwider didn't get in. And meanwhile, actress kind of pushed this white actress in a movie nobody saw in. I think there's going to be a little bit of backlash to that, which is probably going to help Angela Bassett over in supporting actress. But when you look at the who's going up against Kate and um, and Michelle, it's it seems like with all due respect, 
So the also rants where the nomination is the win. I don't see a situation like the the infamous thing that happened in 1951 when it was uh, Betty Davis versus um, uh, oh shoot I forgot the the woman who played uh, Norma Desmond um, and and it, they ended up splitting the vote and they ended up leading to a big upsetting actress. I think this really does come down to Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. I think it's Kate Blanchett to lose at the moment. But Michelle Yeoh is right there nipping at her heels. And if everything everywhere ends up having a big night, I can see her coming along for the ride. Now let me see you go off like a bomb. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Herd Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutan. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find The Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcast or at www.thesweatypenguin.com. Luis Mendez joining us. You just mentioned it. Let's just go ahead and talk about it. Best supporting actress. I got it. The popular people's vote here is going to be Angela Bassett for a lot of reasons. One is she's just awesome and everybody loves her. And she's been criminally underused in her career, in my opinion. Although some of that's her picking her spots. It's been a long time since she's been up at the podium. She's wonderful. You know, there's all the stuff with Black Panther, Wakandia Forever. There's all that emotion behind it. That's all going to get channeled towards Angela Bassett in addition to her performance. Is it going to be enough, though? Because you've got two from everything, everywhere, all at once in the same category. You got um, the whales back in there and Carrie Condon, who was awesome in Banshees doesn't work without her. She's the pivot that makes that whole male driven angst fun ride of dark comedy work. And again, I love that movie. Is Angela Bassett the favorite? Is she going to win it? She is the favorite. The problem that Angela Bassett is going to have to deal with, though, is that she doesn't have a Best Picture nominated film. And the question is, can she win at BAFTA? Because BAFTA, BAFTA makes the Academy look like the People's Choice Awards. They, you, there's a reason Top Gun, Maverick, and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever didn't show up as much at BAFTA. But the fact that she still showed up at BAFTA could end up being a good sign. 
also she's got the narrative this woman this is only her second oscar nomination and the last was like 30 almost 30 years ago or something like that for um the uh the tina turner film and um i i just i I think that what's in her favor is the narrative and the fact that now we've saw two major contending black actresses missing lead actress. I think just you're gonna see this imperative of we got to award Angela Bassett so we can get a woman of color an Oscar. And she, by the way, is the first ever MCU acting nominee ever. And it would be very interesting to see if the MCU, at a time that the industry doesn't have the greatest relationship with it, still manages to pull off a supporting actress Oscar win. But because I do think she's favored at SAG, and then if she wins at BAFTA, I, I don't see anybody beating her. But if anyone's going to beat her, I think it's Carrie Condon because she is in a top tier Best Picture contender. She's probably the favorite at BAFTA, given the you know the bias of. Uh, after being British, and the everything everywhere ladies are going to split the vote. So um, I, I it it does look like it, she's the favorite, but I wouldn't call her a lock like Kihi Kwan looks like. It would be funny if Carrie gets the one Oscar for Banshee out of the bunch. When you kind of look at how this all shakes out the, in a male-driven movie, that would be really funny. But it's you can kind of see a path for that happening here. And it, and it would actually match with recent trends where the supporting actress winner is that movie's lone win. Like if Banshees just ends up not getting anything else but she wins, that actually matches with recent trends for supporting actress. Yeah, and again, I love that movie. That movie don't work without her performance. That's that's the fulcrum of that whole thing. She She's the touchstone that keeps it from going off kilter. So it's not that it's not deserved. It's just going to be a little unexpected. Let's talk... Um, Luis Mendez joining us. Mendez movie report talking the Oscars. Let's talk technical stuff. This is, I rarely get upset by these nominations. I rarely pay attention to them. I'd rather just let you tell me and I'll repeat what you say and then I look smart, right? Apparently, I don't understand what the term cinematography means because if Top Gun Maverick does not get, forget a nomination, that's the most cinematography film I've seen in my lifetime, probably. Like, do I not understand what, and I know they got a visual effects, whatever, whatever. What? Didn't even get a nomination for it? Like, do I not understand what that word means? This, this is outrageous to me. This, And I know it's the Oscars and it's silly and they got their technical stuff, but I think cinematography, I mean, that's like top, top cinematography I've seen in my entire life. How did that not get a nomination? Yeah, actually, statistically, next to Andrew Riceboro sneaking into actress, this is the biggest shock of the morning because... Top Gun Maverick cinematography has been sweeping the critics' organization. Both critics groups that I voted for, we both, both of them voted. Well, no, well, one, I want to say one of them voted for Top Gun Maverick for cinematography. The other, it was the runner-up to the Batman, which also was snubbed for cinematography, which is crazy to me as well. Top Gun Maverick, it's interesting because it, it doesn't feel like a lot of it's a lot of critics' personal number one in cinematography, but it's the one that as a consensus they definitely agreed on as among the best and that's why i think you saw it sweeping across the board this was supposed to be the favorite to get the oscar for cinematography and it didn't even get in now 
that makes me think that all oh, quiet on the western front is going to sneak in and get the cinematography award instead but considering that top gun is the favorite in sound i believe that it's now the favorite in editing even over everything everywhere it's ridiculous to me that it didn't get into cinematography it is next if it wasn't for andrew riceboro this would be the biggest surprise of the morning that a lot of us who try to predict this thing so i'm not off base and being like what in the world <laughs> here's the other thing is and i've i've seen a couple people already write about this the academy is a little self-aware and they are still snobby is this the payback for giving them the best picture nomination I don't think so because again, this is this is cinematography that was showing up everywhere, including the guilds. What I think is a possibility that happened is that because cinematography was a really stacked race this year, but I think what may have happened is that everybody it's, it's this thing that you gotta be careful for these favorites. Everybody assumes it's gonna get in, so they try to vote in other things they're passionate about, and that's how you end up with surprises like this. Uh, Luis Mendez, our critic. Okay, I'm going to be a Philistine again. Some of this is going to be unfair criticism. I'll admit it because I'm not the insider that you are, so you explain it to me, though. We have things like we just went through cinematography. Okay, cinematography is kind of a wide burst because we, you know, there's digital now. There's a lot. I, I understand that's got a spectrum to it. Visual effects, that's an even wider spectrum. That's got a lot of give to it, right? Here's Which, my by question. the way, visual effects is an absolute lock. Everybody already knows Avatar is going to win that. And I'm okay with that as visual effects. I wouldn't give, this is me, Philistine, you're the expert, you explain. I wouldn't give Avatar a cinematography nod because it's not cinematography. It's more like animation. And I know we're going to keep animation to it. Animation is its own debate at the Academy right now, and I understand that. Like the we'll talk about Pinocchio in a minute. They spent like three years doing stop motion for that thing. Is that really still animation at that point? You can debate these things. Avatar, as brilliant visually as it is, that's not cinematography to me. That's more animation and computer than making a movie. And I know this gets into niche stuff and what you just call it and things like that. But that's why I get a little under the collar with the Top Gun thing. I was like, they went out and shot that thing live with very little CGI avatars all cgi do the categories accurately express what we're doing in movie making right now because it kind of feels like look visual effects absolutely avatar wins it's a visual effect do we need to kind of maybe modify some of these because it doesn't seem like they're keeping up with the kind of movies we're actually making now well well you put me in an uncomfortable position because uh avatar actually had my favorite cinematography of the year uh even though i did have top gunning my ballot granted but you understand my point they're not pulling they're not pointing a camera at a landscape and lining up the light which is what kind of traditionally cinematography is they're they're doing and i and i understand the technology I and i, I marvel at it but you see where i'm coming from with it and maybe i'm just a knuckle-dragging philistine here but it, that's a whole different discipline than the movie making we've seen for the last hundred years. Well, I, th I think what you're saying, is, which I think is a valid argument to make regarding the fact that it's all basically digital and, and, and well, not necessarily all digital, but in terms of like, you know, it's motion capture and stuff like that. But they, I think what helps Avatar is that they literally did go down in the water and film stuff underwater with the motion capture stuff, which is with some new technology. I think the narrative behind that helps that movie a lot, uh, which I would expect from James Cameron because James Cameron is, you know, um, I, I believe he actually is a full blown like marine biologist or something like that. Um, so I think that's what helps it in the same way that 
having the uh, the cameras on the plane helped Top Gun Maverick. Um, but I, I again, look, I, I I do think Avatar deserves a spot in the cinematography, but this this snub of Top Gun Maverick does upset me as well because I do think it was one of the best cinematography of the year. And by the way, the Batman isn't in here either, which I also thought has some of the best cinematography of the year. Uh, so it's a bit frustrating, but I think now it's going to be another military movies uh, award to lose. I think All Quiet on the Western Front has now a much as the favorite in cinematography. Luis Mendez. All right, let's put a bow on this. The Oscars are coming. Uh, of course, Everything Everywhere All at Once is now the favorite. They've got 11 nods, so they're probably not going to get into the double-digit, you know, clean sweep category of the Oscars. Let's put the over-under. Let's call it eight. Eight wins over-under. Under. Because even, even movies that have a lot of good, a lot of nominations and still go on to win picture and everything – even they in this era get like four or less wins because we are in an era where you're seeing voters spread the love more than they did in the old days where whatever had the most nominations was probably going to sweep a lot of awards. All right, let's just run through the list real quick here. All Quiet on the Western Front and Banshees both had nine nominations each. How many? And Banshees, half of those are for acting, which is really remarkable. Tells you what quality this film was. Uh, how many nods do you think both of those get with nine nominations each? Definitely under. Uh, I think All Quiet is going to have a shot to split text with Top Gun and Avatar. Uh, Banshees, Banshees is the problem that it keeps being the number two at the moment to a lot of things. So I would say that unless Banshee suddenly becomes the front runner for picture, it maybe only escapes with one or two wins. Uh, Elvis has eight nominations. Obviously, Austin Butler is the one everybody's going to really be paying attention to. It's also up for a lot of design type of technical awards. How many do you think? And does Butler sneak in with a best actor? It's all about Butler. He is the that film's biggest chance at Oscars. And if he wins, I guarantee you makeup's going to come along with him. All right. Good point. Uh, Fablemans, of course, this is Steven Spielberg being Steven Spielberg to a certain extent. They're up with seven. Yeah, this it, all hinges on best best director, right? If you yeah, win best director, they'll get a couple more somewhere in there. It Fablemans is all hinges on Spielberg and if he's enough because that movie has been fading of late and there's been stories that Academy voters don't like it as much as we thought they would. Uh, but it that Spielberg is that movie's best shot. If you start to see that Spielberg can't even win at DGA, there is a possibility Fablemans gets nothing. Wow, really? Okay, Tar and Top Gun Maverick both got six. Tar's kind of that same situation as go Kate Blanche is probably how the movie goes. Yes, it's all about Kate. It's, it's also a dark horse for director, I should say, since we brought that up. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I, he's not going to win director as much as I like Todd Fields directing in that movie. But uh, Kate is basically Daniel Day losing There Will Be Blood. It's basically all about her and if she can win. Um, in terms of Top Gun, for Top Gun, it's all about how many texts can it win. 
and does it have an outside shot at winning that adaptive screenplay? Because adaptive screenplay tends to go to a best picture nominee. Yeah, and those that's probably why those got coupled together. Black Panther, here we go again. Angela Bassett. Look, I love Angela Bassett. She's been a favorite for years and years and years. I'm great if she gets another Oscar. I would love to see it. If that happens, they'll probably pick up some more, yeah? It's all about Angela Bassett. I mean, the movie does have chance at a couple of texts, particularly costume design, but it is all about Angela Bassett, and she is that movie's chances. All right, finally, Luis Mendez, Mendez Movie Report, our expert, your favorite Oscar category. Who's winning best song? <laughs> uh, I really hope it's not too not too from RRR that where it finally showed up somewhere and that performance at the Oscars is going to be so much fun to see. I'm going to go with not to not to, but keep an eye on hold. Uh, what's it called? Hold my hand from uh, uh, Lady Gaga from Top Gun Maverick. That is a that is the song that has been right there with it. I got a I got a bad feeling about the song category. I'm getting Phil Collins kind of vibes about sneaking in with a with a very generic. I'm getting a bad feeling about best song category, buddy. I'm just telling you, I'm good with both of those. I think those are both winners. Look, my family's got to hold my hand on repeat right now because we all love Top Gun and my kids all love Lady Gaga. I got a sneaking suspicion though, man. I'm just a little worried about how that nomination shook out. Well, so what you so which is the one that you're scared of? Uh, the Black Panther song. I'm a little worried about the back lift me up sneaking in there. Not that it's not a great, great song. It's it's a good song. Yeah. It man, it it feels like that Phil Collins Oscar. It's just gonna it's that catchy pop song is gonna sneak in there and everybody's gonna be like, hey, wait, wait, how'd that win? Well, if if anybody's watching the ceremony, if everything everywhere actually pulls off that song, it's gonna win picture, but because there's no way it should be winning best song. This it's literally snuck in there. So I, at the very least, we'll know that if it wins best song. I love me some Rihanna, but like she can't have the Super Bowl and an Oscar within a month, two, three weeks of each other. That's not fair. Can't do that. And, and, and I got to tell you, that's some good campaigning right there for her, too. She's going to be at the Super Bowl before they start voting. You want to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. It might be her this year. Luis Mendez, let folks know where they can follow you. The Substack's great. He writes at Ordinary Times. We're going to be doing this again when it comes Oscar time. We'll see how we'll do. Buddy, let folks know how they can follow you and keep up with you until we see you again, my friend. Uh, MentisMovieReport.substack.com. Get all my thoughts and Oscar predictions there as well. Um, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, if you got Letterbox, if you, anyone's on Hive Social, Mendes Movie RPT. I'm all, everywhere there. And the YouTube is coming. I've already, I know I've been saying for months it's coming, but it is coming. And it's, I've got a plan to do a best picture series looking at all the best picture races going all the way back to the very first Oscars when it was Wings versus Seventh Heaven. We need to do an episode on your early work too, because I'm going to talk Metropolis some with you and some of those early works, folks, because a lot of those are public domain now. They've started to where you can actually just watch them on YouTube. We need to do a whole episode on that. Some first, history first. of cinema. First ever Best Picture winner is now officially public domain. Isn't that amazing? It's good stuff. We'll do a whole episode on that, man. Remind me. Luis Mendez, appreciate the time, buddy. Try to recover from your busy morning of enjoying yourself. Hey, thanks for having me. I love being here every time I get the chance. Anytime, sir. Thank you.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, welcome back to Herd Tell. Okay, we always end on what we try to call a good note. This time, kind of literally, News18.com has this syndicated story. A petition started online to change the name of the capital of Pakistan from Islamabad to Islamagood. Has already received over 300 signatures. A petition was started by Ayab Abar, who claims to be a native of Bangladesh, and describes the section for his petition on change.org. He wrote, Islam is good. Pakistan love Islam. Why Islamabad? B-A-D, all capital letters there. Love from Bangladesh. At the time of writing this, the petition has 300 non-signatures and is directed at the Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan. Many on Twitter were quick to point out that the petition makes little sense because Islamabad is technically not Islamabad, as in bad. Instead, it is Alamabad, A-B-A-D. It's all in the pronunciation, you see. Um, changing Islamabad's name to Islamagood. There's a link to the petition if you want to get in on the fun. I don't see this happening anytime soon because, again, this is a translation problem. Folks, just leave the names alone. Don't we all have better things to do? That'll do it for her, Dell. little silliness, but eh, we need a little silliness to make it through the day. So that's what we do, though, discerning the times we live in. One of the ways you can do that, help us continue to turn down noise. Follow us uh, on all the podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify, any podcast platform there is we are on it including some in india that i cannot pronounce but we see you listening we sure appreciate you folks over in india um also the youtube channel there's lots of stuff on there that's exclusive to the youtube channels we have some playlists set up for you i have some of the good talks also have some breakouts of things that you asked for say we really want to hear that again put those on the youtube channel for you to watch also the uh, podcasting platforms have the twice on Sunday recap where we put all the interviews together in one nice long big package that's on there. Make sure you sign up to both. It's free. Only costs you a click. You want to give us two clicks that are both free. Share us on your social media. Let us know. It's the only advertising we do outside of our own social media platforms. And we sure appreciate it. That's how this show's grown. It's why we got the success we do. It's because of folks like you and we really appreciate it. So until we see you next time, for more herd tell, we hope wherever you are across the street or around the world, you and yours are well. We hope you're well fed. We'll talk to you again soon for more herd tell. All the music on herd tell is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Hurt Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested 
and learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics, from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find the Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcast or at www.thesweatypenguin.com. <laughs>